chapter twenty three of the garys and their friends by frank wed this librivox recording is in the public domain chapter twenty three the lost one found on the day succeeding the events described in our last chapter mr walters called upon mr balch for the purpose of making the necessary preparations for the interment of mr and mrs gary i think said mr balch we had better bury them in the ash grove cemetery it's a lovely spot all my people are buried there the place is fine enough i acknowledge rejoined mr walters but i much doubt if you can procure the necessary ground oh yes you can said mr balch there are a number of lots still unappropriated that may very likely be so but are you sure we can get one if we apply of course we can what is to prevent asked mr balch you forget replied mr walters that mrs gary was a coloured woman if it wasn't such a solemn subject i really should be obliged to laugh at you walters rejoined mr balch with a smile you talk ridiculously what can her complexion have to do with her being buried there i should like to know it has everything to do with it can it be possible you are not aware that they won't even permit a coloured person to walk through the ground much less to be buried there you astonish me walters are you sure of it i give you my word of honour it is so but why should you be astonished at such treatment of the dead when you see how they conduct themselves towards the living i have a friend continued mr walters who purchased a pew for himself and family in a white church and the deacons actually removed the floor from under it to prevent his sitting there they refuse us permission to kneel by the side of the white communicants at the lord's supper and give us separate pews in obscure corners of their churches all this you know why then be surprised that they carry their prejudices into their graveyards the conduct is all of a piece well walters i know the way things are conducted in our churches is exceedingly reprehensible but i really did not know they stretched their prejudices to such an extent i assure you they do then resumed mr walters and in this very matter you'll find i'm correct ask stormily the undertaker and hear what he'll tell you oh a case in point about six months ago one of our wealthiest citizens lost by death an old family servant a coloured woman a sort of half housekeeper half friend she resembled him so much that it was generally believed she was his sister well he tried to have her laid in their family vault and it was refused the directors thought it would be creating a bad precedent they said as they would not sell lots to coloured persons they couldn't consistently permit them to be buried in those of the whites then ashgrove must be abandoned and in lieu of that what can you propose asked mr balch i should say we can't do better than lay them in the graveyard of the coloured episcopal church let it be there then you will see to the arrangements walters i shall have enough on my hands for the present searching for that will i've already offered a large reward for it i trust it may turn up yet perhaps it may rejoined mr walters we must hope so at least 
i brought the children to my house where they are under the care of a young lady who was a great friend of their mother's though it seems like putting too much upon the poor young creature to throw them upon her for consolation when she is almost distracted with her own griefs i think i mentioned to you yesterday that her father is missing and to add to their anxieties their property has been all destroyed by the rioters they have a home with me for the present and may remain there as long as they please oh i remember you told me something of them yesterday and now i come to think of it i saw in the journal this morning that a colored man was lying at the hospital very much injured whose name they could not ascertain can it be possible that he is the man you are in search of let me see the article asked mr walters mr balch handed him the paper and pointed out the paragraph in question i'll go immediately to the hospital said he as he finished reading and see if it is my poor friend i have great fears that it is you'll excuse my leaving so abruptly i must be off immediately on hastening to the hospital mr walters arrived just in time to be admitted to the wards and on being shown the person whose name they had been unable to discover he immediately recognized his friend ellis my poor fellow he exclaimed springing forward stop stop cried the attendant laying his hand upon mr walters's shoulder he is hovering between life and death the least agitation might be fatal to him the doctor says if he survives the night he may probably get better but he has small chance of life i hardly think he will last twelve hours more he's been dreadfully beaten there are two or three gashes on his head his leg is broken and his hands have been so much cut that the surgeon thinks they'll never be of any use to him even if he recovers what awful intelligence for his family said mr walters they are already half distracted about him mr ellis lay perfectly unconscious of what was passing around him and his moans were deeply affecting to hear unable to move but one limb he was the picture of helplessness and misery it's time to close we don't permit visitors to remain after this hour said the attendant come to-morrow you can see your friend and remain longer with him and bidding mr walters good morning he ushered him from the ward how shall i ever find means to break this to the girls and their mother said he as he left the gates of the hospital it will almost kill them really i don't know what i shall say to them he walked homeward with hesitating steps and on arriving at his house he paused a while before the door mustering up courage to enter at last he opened it with the air of a man who had a disagreeable duty to perform and had made up his mind to go through with it tell miss ellis to come to the drawing-room said he to the servant merely say she's wanted don't say i've returned he waited but a few moments before esther made her appearance looking sad and anxious oh it's you she said with some surprise you have news of father yes esther i have news but i'm sorry to say not of a pleasant character oh mr walters nothing serious i hope has happened to him she asked in an agitated tone i'm sorry to say there has esther he has met with an accident a sad and severe one he's been badly wounded esther turned deadly pale at this announcement and leaned upon the table for support i sent for you esther continued mr walters in preference to your mother because i knew you to be courageous in danger and i trusted you would be equally so in misfortune your father's case is a very critical one very it appears that after leaving here he fell into the hands of the rioters by whom he was shockingly beaten he was taken to the hospital where he now remains oh let me go to him at once do mr walters my dear child it is impossible for you to see him to-day it is long past the visiting hour moreover i don't think him in a state that would permit the least agitation to-morrow you can go with me 
esther did not weep her heart was too full of courtiers with a pale face and trembling lips she said to mr walters god give us strength to bear up under these misfortunes we are homeless almost beggars our friends have been murdered and my father is now trembling on the brink of the grave such troubles as these said she sinking into a chair are enough to crush any one i know it esther i know it my child i sympathize with you deeply all that i have is at your disposal you may command me in anything give yourself no uneasiness respecting the future of your mother and family let the result to your father be what it may always bear in mind that next to god i am your best friend i speak thus frankly to you esther because i would not have you cherish any hopes of your father's recovery from his appearance i should say there is but little if any i leave to you my good girl the task of breaking this sad news to your mother and sister i would tell them but i must confess esther i am not equal to it the events of the last day or two have almost overpowered me esther's lips quivered again as she repeated the words little hope did the doctor say that she asked i did not see the doctor replied he perhaps there may be a favourable change during the night i'd have you prepare for the worst whilst you hope for the best go now and try to break it as gently as possible to your mother esther left the room with heavy steps and walked to the chamber where her mother was sitting caddy also was there rocking backwards and forwards in a chair in an earnest endeavour to soothe to sleep little em who was sitting in her lap who was it esther asked her mother mr walters she hesitatingly answered was it well has he heard anything of your father she asked anxiously esther turned away her head and remained silent why don't you answer asked her mother with an alarmed look if you know anything of him for god's sake tell me whatever it may be it can't be worse than i expect he's dead she asked no no mother he's not dead but he's sick very sick mother mr walters found him in the hospital in the hospital how came he there don't deceive me esther there's something behind all this are you telling me the truth is he still alive mother believe me he is still alive but how long he may remain so god only knows to mrs ellis at this communication leant her head upon the table and wept uncontrollably caddy put down her little charge and stood beside her mother endeavouring to soothe her whilst unable to restrain her own grief let us go to him esther said her mother rising i must see him let us go at once we can't mother mr walter says it's impossible for us to see him to-day they don't admit visitors after a certain hour in the morning they must admit me i'll tell them i'm his wife when they know that they can't refuse me quickly dressing themselves esther caddy and their mother were about to start for the hospital when mr walters entered where are you all going he asked to the hospital answered mrs ellis i must see my husband i've just sent there ellen to make arrangements to hear of him every hour you will only have the grief of being refused admission if you go they are exceedingly strict no one is admitted to visit the patient after a certain hour try and compose yourselves sit down i want to talk to you for a little while mrs ellis mechanically obeyed and on sitting down little em crept into her lap and nestled in her arms ellen said mr walters taking a seat by her it's useless to disguise the fact that ellis is in a precarious situation how long you may be sick it is impossible to say as soon as it is practicable should he get better we will bring him here you remember ellen that years ago when i was young and poor ellis often befriended me now tis my turn you must all make up your minds to remain with me for ever if you like for the present whether you like it or not i am going to be dreadfully obstinate and have my own way completely about the matter here i have a large house furnished from top to bottom with every comfort often i have wandered through it and thought myself a selfish old fellow to be surrounded with so much luxury and keep it entirely to myself 
god has blessed me with abundance and to what better use can it be appropriated than the relief of my friends now ellen you shall superintend the whole of the establishment esther shall nurse her father caddy shall stir up the servants and i'll look on and find my happiness in seeing you all happy now what objection can you urge against that arrangement concluded he triumphantly why we shall put you to great inconvenience and place ourselves under an obligation we can never repay answered mrs ellis don't despair of that never mind the obligation try and be as cheerful as you can to-morrow we shall see ellis and perhaps find him better let us at least hope for the best esther looked with grateful admiration at mr walters as he left the room what a good heart he has mother said she as he closed the door behind him just such a great tender heart as one should expect to find in so fine a form mrs ellis and her daughters were the first who were found next day at the office of the doorkeeper of the hospital waiting an opportunity to see their sick friends your early man said a little bald-headed official who sat at his desk fronting the door take a chair near the fire it's dreadful cold this morning very cold replied esther taking a seat beside her mother how long will it be before we can go in oh you've good an hour to wait the doctor hasn't come yet replied the doorkeeper how is my husband tremblingly inquired mrs ellis who is your husband you don't know his number do you never know names here go by numbers we don't know the number rejoined esther my father's name is ellis he was brought here two or three nights since he was beaten by the mob oh yes i know now who you mean number sixty bad case that shocking bad case hands chopped head smashed leg broke he'll have to cross over i guess make a die of it i'm afraid mrs ellis shuddered and turned pale as the man coolly discussed her husband's injuries and their probable fatal termination caddy observing her agitation said please sir don't talk of it mother can't bear it the man looked at them compassionately for a few moments then continued you mustn't think me hard-hearted i see so much of these things that i can't feel them as others do this is a dreadful thing to you no doubt but it's an everyday song to me people are always coming here mangled in all sorts of ways so you see i've got used to it in fact i'd rather miss em now if they didn't come i've sat in this seat every day for almost twenty years and he looked on the girls and their mother as he gave them this piece of information as if he thought they ought to regard him henceforth with great reverence not finding them disposed to converse the doorkeeper resumed the newspaper he was reading when they entered and was soon deeply engrossed in a horrible steamboat accident the sound of wheels in the courtyard attracting his attention he looked up and remarked here's the doctor as soon as he has walked the wards you'll be admitted mrs ellis and her daughters turned round as the door opened and to their great joy recognized dr burdett how do you do said he extending his hand to mrs ellis what's the matter crying he continued looking at their tearful faces what has happened oh doctor said esther father's lying here very much injured and they think he'll die said she giving way to a fresh burst of grief very much injured die how is this i knew nothing of it i haven't been here before this week esther hereupon briefly related the misfortunes that had befallen her father dear me dear me repeated the kind old doctor there my dear don't fret he'll get better my child i'll take him in hand at once my dear mrs ellis weeping won't do the least good and only make you sick yourself stop do now i'll go and see him immediately and as soon as possible you shall be admitted they had not long to wait before a message came from dr bidette informing them that they could now be permitted to see the sufferer you must control yourselves said the doctor to the sobbing women as he met them at the door you mustn't do anything to agitate him his situation is extremely critical the girls and their mother 
followed him to the bedside of mr ellis who ghastly pale lay before them apparently unconscious mrs ellis gave but one look at her husband and with a faint cry sank fainting upon the floor the noise partially aroused him he turned his head and after an apparent effort recognized his daughter standing beside him he made a feeble attempt to raise his mutilated hands and murmured faintly you've come at last and closing his eyes he dropped his arms as if exhausted by the effort esther knelt beside him and pressed a kiss on his pale face father father said she softly he opened his eyes again and a smile of pleasure broke over his wan face and lighted up his eyes as he feebly said god bless you darlings i thought you'd never come where's mother and caddy here answered esther here by me your looks frightened her so that she's fainted dr burdett here interposed and said you must all go now he's too weak to bear more at present let me stay with them a little longer pleaded esther no my child it's impossible he continued besides your mother will need your attention and whilst he spoke he led her into an adjoining room where the others had preceded her End of chapter twenty three